Hi, this is Ray Park. I play Darth Maul in The Phantom Menace, and you're listening to An Elegant Weapon. An Elegant Weapon is brought to you by Nemesis Studios. What are y'all doing in here? We're smoking reefer, and you don't want no part of this shit. An elegant weapon for a more civilized age. This is a journey into sound. This is Vic Ruggiero from the Slackers, and you're listening to An Elegant Weapon. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to An Elegant Weapon, episode 122. I am your host, Ross Jedi J. Please, this week I invite you to join me in flicking your bits to the memory of Hamilton Argyle, Corporal Nathan Cirillo. This is Sparta! Welcome back, kids. It's good to have you around again, if you are around, in fact, being around and listening. Um... We have a very exciting show this week. We have a great conversation that I'm bringing to you. Yet more amazing independent comic book goodness. But I have a feeling that these guys got together and made this comic book just specifically so they could be guests on An Elegant Weapon. That's because I came across this comic book, and it's about weed. I want you to take the Frankenstein shit, the deer shit, the green monster, the bling, and the bling bling. And I want you to roll it all into one joint. No one's ever been brave enough to try that. One man is. Roll it. Weed. It's a comic book about weed. Far and few between are the comic books about weed. Um, very intriguing book. It's called Super Bud. This week I have its creators Tim and Mike join me. And we talk about a whole lot of shit. Not just the book, which does in fact have a Kickstarter. As you'll hear many times throughout this episode, please go to Kickstarter and check out Super Bud. Uh, you can lay some visuals onto the audios that you're about to experience. So uh, please, sit back, pack a bowl, spin a spliff, open your ears, and enjoy this conversation between Mike, Tim, and myself. We talk about Super Bud. That's what happens this week, here, right now. Aw, yeah. You guys are out of uh, Philly, I see there, eh? 
Yeah, Philadelphia. That's sweet. I'm going to be uh, in Allentown uh, next month for the, the Great Allentown Comic Con. Nice. Cool. So uh, so who does what? Because I see on the Kickstarter that uh, Superbud by Mike Dean. And Tim, what's your involvement? Mike oh. and I are the creators. We both uh, created the, the characters in the storyline, and uh, we, we are the writers of the Okay, well, give us uh, give us your fucking elevator pitch, your fucking spiel here. Sure, it's uh, essentially this experimental strain of medical marijuana gets leaked in a small town, and as it spreads through via this petty drug dealer, people start getting powers, and as more of them pop up, they're all kind of in the gray area. It becomes like. X-Men meets Half-Baked. Where are we going to get a Jamaican from? I'll pretend I'm Jamaican, man. Yeah. You have smoked yourself retarded. <laughs> that's that's just a dream. <laughs> yeah. well, uh, it's like ever since day one when me and Tim started writing together, we always just kind of like, you know what I'd love to see? And it always would start like that. So this just was like, we love superheroes. We're big fans of weed humor. And we basically just got to a point where we're like, you know, it would be really awesome to watch or read. And then we had Superbud. That's awesome. It's a, it's a rare niche that you guys have kind of put yourself into. You know what I mean? There's a... There's not a lot of <clears throat> cross action when it comes from like the stoner community to the comic book community. Surprisingly, you'd yeah. think you'd think there'd be a little bit more of a crossover, which is something with this show that I'm very familiar with the past few years and all the cons I go to, and uh, you can feel it. You know, it's not that you're there; they look down on you, but they just don't get it. It's just not something a lot of them seem to be into like fanboys and stuff so i don't know if you guys have ever kind of experienced that uh yeah a little bit it's a subculture that doesn't get explored much or when it is it's like written off trivialized yeah yeah, yeah it's never taken seriously enough <clears throat> that's why i was very happy when ziggy came out with the Mar marijuana man marijuana man on the air is brought to you today by hemp rules caribbean crunch the all-natural hemp seed snack treat Marijuana man, marijuana man, he's gonna save the land with a plant in his hand, marijuana man. <laughs> totally. So uh, you guys enjoy the, the ganja yourselves, I take it? Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> well, I couldn't so, believe it when I came across and... Uh, I came across your guys' book, and I was like, what the hell Jesus shit is this? Superbug. <laughs> it's, uh, this is crazy. And, uh, because the only other real comic book that I've encountered are, uh, are Chip and Andy, these guys that I've had on a few times, and they do a book called The Adventures of Superstoner. Oh, yeah, you know, they reached out to us not too long ago. Yeah, and, uh, awesome guys, fantastic fellas. Yeah, and they yeah, I spoke to Andy a little bit. He seemed really nice. Oh, they're super good guys, and uh, they it, their comic is kind of in the vein of that old uh, that old school kind of pot ploitation <laughs> type seventies yeah. type stuff. So it's it's that kind of humor, which is it's really cool because it's like a throwback. But they don't. <clears throat> it's not like stories about uh, just kind of lazy 
potheads. Like, you know, this is super stoner. This guy actually, you know, is kind of an active inspiration as much as, you know, he's a pothead and everything, which is kind of the idea I'm getting from your book. You know, these are almost like, you know, it's not just a bunch of stoners getting superpowers. You know, you guys almost treated it on more of a real world kind of level, it seems, you know? Yeah. Thanks for noticing that. Yeah. I mean, we kind of look at it as like, I don't know. If you were to say to someone, do you like spiders? Most people are going to say no, but it doesn't turn them off from Spider-Man because it's really, it's the inciting incident more so than the like theme or like message that they're trying to get across. So because, I mean, to us, it was an interesting way to like tell this story. That's kind of like, like the kind of superhero story we've always wanted to watch or tell. Yeah. I'd say it's a, it's an ode to, uh, classic comic books more so than marijuana. Yeah, marijuana just is the the gateway to that. But uh, we're really trying to tell like a superhero origin story that's a little bit more unique. Yeah, that's awesome. It's uh, I think pot sometimes does it to itself that it's it's such a happy thing and it's such just a positive thing in so many ways, whether you fight it or not. That when people see anything, no matter whether it's a comic or a movie or what have you, and it's connected to that. There's an automatic lightheartedness that you can't help but look at it with, like like through that type of filter. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's uh, like you see marijuana, you can't help but in the back of your brain kind of start thinking like positive, or you want to smile, so you're not instantly like, oh, this is an interesting story about cannabis, sort of thing. Like, right? I don't know if that makes sense, but well, I think it's when you're part of the subculture that's that's the response you get, you know? it's like when you've met people who smoke pot and you know that they're just like everybody else, you you pick up on that and you're just like, yeah, you know what? This, these are the friendliest people I know. But I do think there's still that section of people who, you know, they, they see it and they just think of like dare ads or, uh, you know, propaganda or uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. what's the uh, – the old one from uh, like the fifties, like Reefer Madness and yes, stuff. Thank yeah, you. yeah, totally. Like <laughs> the devil's weed. <laughs> These high school boys and girls are having a hop at the local soda fountain. Innocently they dance, innocent of a new and deadly menace lurking behind closed doors. Marijuana, the burning weed with its roots in hell. It caused Sally to lose her mind and go insane. <laughs> Sexual perversions. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, for us, like, we definitely used to a lot more than we do now. I do, anyway. I don't have any as much time as I used to. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, people have said to me in the past, I've had it said to me, like, you know, your podcast probably a lot more successful if you drop the whole weed thing and blah, 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 and... That's the, it wouldn't be this podcast then, you know what I mean? Like if, you know, that's the way it was started. It started with me and friends and getting high and talking Star Wars and comic books, you know? Mm -hmm. So if I, I can't ever alter it to not be what it is. So you got to, you got to go what's pure and what interests you and Absolutely. all that kind of sh cool shit. You guys been into comics forever then or? Yeah, I mean, I didn't get into religiously reading them until college. Uh, but even from like a young age, you know, I'd pick up my brother's comics, flip through them. I was more into the images as a kid. I wanted to be an artist and then kind of 
as I got more into writing, then I started really caring about the stories more than the art. It's uh, is this like your first foray into comic book making? Have you guys like uh, you ever like dipped your toe into anything before? No, this is actually our first comic. We uh, started out as screenwriters. We would write for short films, and uh, we did a web series a couple of years ago. And uh, we've always written pilots and stuff for TV. That's cool. And, yeah, we were just getting over working on the first season of our show, and we were under such budget constraints, and we were prepping the second season. We realized that just it's so much easier to pay an artist who can draw anything. There's there's no budget in, in the scope of what you can do. You can do big budget action like have a superhero flying around. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely opens up the uh, effects possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Totally, that's a great thing. How did you guys meet? How did you guys? Sounds like you went to school together. Or? Yeah, we went to a small liberal arts college where we were film majors. We started hanging out. We were working on a documentary first, and then uh, a group of our friends. We all started hanging out, and uh, Mike and I and uh, his roommate at the time used to go drive to the comic shop like 15 minutes away. And uh, I didn't have a car at the time, so that was my ride to the comic shop. So that's how we started hanging out and <laughs> trading comics. Like, oh, have you read this? I read this one. This one's pretty good. That's awesome. That's a, that's a beautiful coming together of minds. <laughs> yeah. So whose idea was it initially? Who turned to the other and passed the dube and was like, you know what we should do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mike definitely pitched it. And uh, at, the, at the time, it was really just this scene with, which is in the first issue, with Danny and Reggie hanging out at his, at his house. And he was like, I don't know what it is, but there's, there's something here with, with this pot that gets passed around from this dealer that gives people superpowers. <laughs> at first I was like, that's crazy. I don't know if we can do it. But then it started to sink in, all the, the possibilities of what you could really do with that and the potential of that. <clears throat> yeah. it's uh, did So do you do, is it one power, or do people get different powers, or how, yeah. does, how does it work? You're going to find that as as the, the series progresses, as more issues come out, that each person interprets that that special, unique ability it gives them in a, in a unique way. Okay, so it kind of taps into a certain part of yourself. Yeah. Uh, you're getting all fucking deep with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, man. It's uh, I can't wait to read it. It sounds like an awesome fucking premise you know yeah as soon as we're done we'll send you a copy oh that'd be awesome that'd be super awesome so uh what else are you guys into these days are you, you guys get a chance to read much else or yeah um saga and invincible have both been really great um reading batman and the x-men bendis's x-men stuff i took a big break for a while to try to wrap up the game of thrones the Song of Fire and Ice series, and uh, so I just have a giant stack of comics waiting for me right now. <laughs> nice, the dreaded catch-up pile. Yeah. <laughs> Mine's getting a couple inches to it, too, actually, these days. Uh, but there's a lot of books, that, thankfully, actually, that have been cutting out, so it, it cut my list down nicely. But, uh, yeah, Saga's nice, eh? It's, uh, that's just the one. It seems like... Uh, you know, I almost can't believe like they're not making a movie already. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, it's great that it's out on Image. You know, so Brian K. Vaughn has like full control of it, and I'm sure it's like to him, he's just like, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do anything, but it's purest form story until I'm ready. 
Um, like he talks about that, I think, in the back of the first trade back is that like that was the only reason like he had this idea a while ago, but he wanted to wait till he had the right publisher to put it out on. It's, uh, it's a wise decision. I think why the last man writes just uh, reverted back too because they were trying to make a, t- a TV show out of that that didn't happen or something. So it's nice when creators can keep their hands, you know, and on their stuff and learn from uh, Marvel's mistakes of the past. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now we got to deal with this fractured cinematic universe that drives me crazy. <laughs> I just can't. I still can't comprehend it to this day. Like, admittedly, I'm way more of a DC kid than a Marvel kid. But, you know, I do enjoy my Wolverine titles and stuff. But I just, I can't wrap my head around a Marvel universe without mutants in it. Mm-hmm. It just, I, I just, it limits the vastness of what the universe was in the comics to to such a small thing that, you know, they got to go the route of, like, Guardians of the Galaxy and stuff, you know? Yeah. yeah. And if you, you, know, uh, you know that would have never gotten made if, if the rights weren't separated. We'd still be getting, like, Avengers Spider-Man movies and... Yeah, shit, you know. We got lucky. If you think all the stuff they've done in the last ten or fifteen years, it's all been major event where they they do the across the whole Marvel spectrum. So you really do need an integral team for a lot of those, where you can include Spider-Man and Fantastic Four and the X-Men along with all the other Marvel movies. Well, it's just that universe is so intertwined. Like every big event that's happened, it's very hard to redo without including all the major players, right? Like, yeah. Like now they're gonna do like you know, they're talking about Secret Wars and not having many X-Men or Fantastic Four in it, and you know they're all of a sudden because of the movies in a weird way. I was talking about this with Drunk on Comics podcast the other day, and it was, it it's almost like the movie universe is really actually finally starting to affect the comics and you know because it's never it's never really been that way and now it's getting to a point where okay we don't want to promote your x-men or your fantastic four so we're not even going to make the comics of them anymore which means they're not going to be a part of secret wars which is just like what the hell like yeah now those movies are having an effect on the comics yeah it's sad it's it sucks to see you know but i'm very lucky like i said being a dc fanboy all my guys are in the same stable, you know, like I got it laid out that till 2020 and all my movies are going to fit together nicely, you know? (laughs) Well, I hope, I mean, I feel like you might run into the same thing with them with just like, are they going to rush this, this whole franchise, you know, by making the next movie be basically like a pre justice league, justice league movie. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm actually a little bit worried because they seem so like strict about like that no comedy rule or uh, just like the way that they're gonna rush forward with like a Dark Knight Returns aged Batman. I I I think that it's this one thing about this is how I've always looked at DC. They don't make as many moves as Marvel, whether it's cinematically or in the comics. And uh, they don't have kind of as widespread a thing going on. But when they make a move, they make a ballsy move. Like, first instance, New 52. Ballsy move. We're we're starting over. Bam. Everyone's like, you're fucking nuts. And it turned out to be this monster success. Yeah. Yeah. And in the movies, I think they're finally getting to that point, too, especially with the crazy people like Zack Snyder involved. 
that they're going to be like, fuck that. We've seen his origin 18 times. We're going to make him old ass. Yeah. And I, I love it. I think it's great. Like, I don't think they're going to rush it because, like, they're already taking so long. Like, what, they, this movie's still, at, like, two years out till we see Batman versus Superman, right? Yeah, so what's the longevity of an older Batman in the Batman Returns style, then, if you're going to try to make movies ten years from now with Batman? I don't think he's going to be quite that old. I think he's an I think he's a seasoned Batman, but I don't think he's quite as old as portrayed in The Dark Knight. From what I've seen and like set picks and stuff, is yeah, he's got some gray in his hair, but they don't. He's not all wrinkled and he's got no cane and yeah, keen. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's highly influenced. Uh oh, one of those <laughs> rare times I didn't turn off my phone. Let that's, it go because of that ringtone. That's, that's just <laughs> they hear it at the beginning slot. of the show already. Don't worry. <laughs> But, uh, what was I saying? Ah, shit. Oh, yeah. Um, I like that... I I don't think they're going to take him as far. I think he's going to be a a mature Batman, but I don't think he's going to be, like, an old, ready-to-retire Batman. So I think they'll be able to push at least a good ten years out of of him for this, you know? You think they're going to bring Damien into these these movies? spoiler alert, but... It's been pretty well revealed that, yes, Robin will be in this movie, but this Robin will be, uh, what's her name? Jenna Malone. Yeah. Yes, Jenna Malone. So, uh, a kitty, yeah. oh. what's her name? Yeah. Uh, Robin, which is, uh, that's a bold move too, but uh, I think it's a good one. It's a, it's a cool way to use an actual occurrence to bring more women into the fold. Yeah. You know, without having to, like, make a stretch and, like, you know, just flat out changing a character. Like, at least they they can make Robin a girl and be like, it happened. It, it's in the book. We're not just yeah, doing it, you know? Yes. So. And it's another reference to The Dark Knight Returns, which they know is one of everyone's favorite Batman books ever. Yeah, I think it's going to be, like, a total Dark Knight Returns template. But I think it is definitely, at the same time, going to be its own thing. Because this is... A meeting. This is the one thing. It's going to be very Dark Knight Returns, but this is these guys meeting. And Dark Knight Returns is them after a long relationship. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think this is going to be... They're going to use the imagery, events, you know, the actual action maybe. And they're going to pretty much do it, but I think it's going to have pretty much a different plot to it. And this will... Somehow they fight for whatever reason, and it's got... Obviously it's going to bring them together, right? Yeah. So. Well, you know what else is? This is going to be the establishment of the Luther relationship with both of them. Exactly, and uh, I, it's see, we got to remember too. This is this is a Man of Steel, uh, Superman, Batman. So I, I I was thrilled with the way they changed stuff and made it kind of updated to a more sensible, reasonable, you know, story of today by like like Lois knows right. None of this Lois can't tell he's Clark with the glasses on. They're like, hey, yeah. we really got to let that part go. <laughs> Especially when she's a top reporter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's Pulitzer Prize winner. <laughs> so they got rid of the shorts, which was the first good thing. And, you know, and they, they straightened that whole thing out. Because now, now he's got, like, kind of a, a team behind him, like friends at least, you know, to protect him. He's not so much the loner that Christopher Reeve Superman was, you know? Right. That he's got no one to turn to or talk to sort of thing. 
So I, I love how they kind of fixed it up, which is going to be different because now we're going to go into uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, Lex Luthor, which I'm thrilled about. I know a lot of people aren't happy, but when I when I watch Social Network, that is Lex Luthor. Yeah, you know I mean, some I'm of those scenes. Optimistic. Well, I I think he has the chops to pull it off, but you know it it still lies. I think in uh, is Goyer writing this one? He's I believe co-writing this one. Yeah, so it's still in him and Zack Snyder's hands to you know either drop or carry. It's I'm anyone who listens to this show regularly knows that I'm a huge Zack Snyder apologist. Like, <laughs> like I'm just he can't do wrong for me, really. So I'm very I'm biased about a few things. There's two directors that it's hard because I'm very biased about right now, and uh, they're always in the talks, and that's Zack Snyder and J.J. Abrams. I think these guys are brilliant. I love the lens flares. So <laughs> I have this certain biased, you know, outlook on it where a lot of people are worried, but for me, I'm, you know, I, I don't, I don't see how it could go too wrong. Do you know? Yeah, so I'm, I'm really optimistic about JJ doing Star Wars. I think he did a great job with Star Trek. So yeah, I mean, yeah. just the visuals, the way they got, they got shoot stuff. It's just the, it's like paintings in motion, and that's how DC should be. I was happy when they said no more jokes. I was like, right on. Let's just take this shit serious all the way through and fucking get <laughs> hardcore. Like, not that I mind Marvel's approach, but that's Marvel. Right. You know, that's, oh, that's the, true. You know, that's that's the difference, and that's why I hate that it's a comparable thing. Like, we should be happy that we have two separate entities that the comics aren't a, a monopoly. You know. Yeah. I mean, even like you know, every every Wednesday we're going back and reading one of each, typically. So. Yeah. yeah. Both at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, especially with the stuff that's happened since New 52, like Batman has just been, holy shit. Like the things Capullo and Snyder have done on this run have just been like. Yeah, and it's nonstop too. Oh, yeah, that's what's amazing. It's like it's it's been a while since I heard about a team on a run. You know, like you hear about the old classics like Lee and Kirby and mm -hmm. whatever, but, you know, it's been a while since there's been something is – it's hard to mention one of those guys without mentioning the, the other right now, you know, so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but uh, I think Batman's in safe hands. It's going to be weird when they leave. <laughs> yeah, is there a, a date for that? Not officially. I think they've at least finishing out the next year or so, so – but I'm a, I'm a little behind in that info myself, you know. So so is this uh, your first podcast? Uh, no, actually, we just we just did uh, like two this past week. Oh yeah, who else have you chatted with? Um, superhero speak. Yeah, and, I'm familiar uh, with them. Yeah, um, we we chatted with Dave from them and uh, Devin from uh, I work in production. Which is like more of like a film podcast. Oh, that's groovy. Yeah. Um, well, How that's long have cool. you guys been doing uh, the podcast? Ah, uh, I started this show back in 2012. And uh, it was me and this dude, Sean. And uh, he left the show to pursue pure comic making probably around episode, I think it was 72 maybe? 
and tonight we are recording episode 122. Oh, wow. oh awesome. Yeah, so I've been basically flying solo for almost halfway through, but uh, um, it's not. It's very rare that it's just me here rambling to myself. I'll often have guests like you guys, and I've also got a – we're on a network called the Points of Interest Podcast Network. Oh, nice. And, uh, yeah, I'm good. You know, we're all a bunch of friends with uh, our own shows, so we put this network together. And uh, so we'll kind of cross-pot on each other's shows. So often I'll have, you know, one of these, like, regular three or four guys kind of, you know, pop on if, and we'll just shoot the shit if I don't have a guest or... Oh, yeah. Is that uh, Drunk on Comics one of them? Um, yeah, Derek and Tony. Well, they've all been on separate times. Derek comes on the most, uh... I'm not sure. Have you ever heard Drunk on Comics? Yeah, actually. Uh, I was at the New York Comic Con uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, the artist from Superbud had a booth for his project, Night Stars. Okay. And right down the line was this Kickstarter-funded project that takes uh, Nintendo... Oh, Ink Whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was awesome. And they, they were telling me about Drunk on Comics, how they, like, pair comics with certain alcohol and, and like, recommended almost, like, tastings. And I thought it sounded awesome. That's a great idea. It's, uh, yeah, no, these guys, uh, it's a couple of guys from Michigan, uh, four good friends. And, yeah, and they got segments. And the segment you're talking about is uh, booze in a book. So every week, yeah, they'll they'll pair a book and uh, whatever booze they think goes best along with it. And they've got other uh, segments. There's like Indie Turnpike where they'll discuss uh, some indie book of the week. Uh, Best on on Tap is like cover of the week. And uh, yeah, it's a great show. It's my favorite comic book podcast on the net. And uh, when they first came around, I I, I was lucky. I discovered them early and I reached out to them early uh, if they wanted to do a cross-pod. And uh, still, An Elegant Weapon is the only podcast they have ever cross-podded with. Oh, nice. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> and uh, I caught them early, and we just became friends. We just uh, hit it off. So last May, I actually went down to Motor City Con. Uh, Motor City Comic Con down in Detroit there. Novi, Michigan. And uh, we spent the weekend together there and uh, doing press. And uh, we did some panels and... Uh, I hosted their uh, podcasting panel, and it was an awesome weekend. Great dudes. So, uh, yeah, we do that once in a while. And uh, it's fun because uh, we'll switch things up when uh, I'm on their show occasionally. We'll do, like, Bud in a Book. Oh, cool. (laughs) So one time I paired uh, The Killing Joke with Purple Haze. Ooh, and sense. you know shit like that. So, <laughs> do you uh, do you give like how you should smoke it too? Like, oh, this is something you want to take a bong rip for. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's something I should do. We've done rarely. We've done segments on this show, but I, I I'm way more like to keep it kind of just free form. Right. So it was something I never stuck with, but uh, occasionally I'll do. I have uh, my friend Francis on. He's the host of. Uh, Critical Moment of Awesome and a few other wicked podcasts, and we do a little thing called Naboo Brew, where we, uh, you know, have some coffee and shoot the shit about whatever Star Wars is going on that week. That's great. Yeah, but we don't go much further than that. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's fun. It's uh, you know, it's a way for me to get my gab on every week and meet cool people. That's been the most fun part about it is is meeting so many amazing people and comic creators. 
and uh, getting to the point where you're actually traveling and going to other places, to other cons, to like meet people, you know, like New York Comic Con. I'm very upset I didn't make it this year because I had planned to go and I still haven't got down there. But this year it seemed like I, everyone I knew on Twitter or Facebook were there. <laughs> like any guest yeah. I've ever had on this show went to New York Comic Con this year. It was so, a lot of fun too. We had a good time. Did you guys have a table and everything? or We just kind of walked around and just introduced ourselves to people. We had flyers for our Kickstarter, so we were handing that out. Nice, doing the schmooze thing. Yeah. Yeah, uh, my uh, good friend Anthony Rutgazer, he has a new book out called The First Hero. And uh, he was down there at the Action Lab table. Oh, nice. Uh, cool. Yeah, hanging out with Jamal Eigel and stuff. And uh, I know they had a super good time. And uh, we all hung out at... Uh, fan expo this year because <clears throat> jamal came up for fan expo and lee motor and action labs came up and it was their first time at fan expo so that was a super good time you guys have to make it up here yeah that definitely cool. for that trust me you guys would go over well at fan expo <laughs> what time of year did you say it was it's late august it's actually oh, uh yeah it's usually like 24th okay. it sucks this year though because they put it on labor day weekend Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we got to give up our fucking Labor Day for it, which it's nice to have the extra day, but still it sucks because, I mean, it's it's too big to control now. Like, they had to add the extra day. They added an extra building. I mean, you know, they're getting they're getting up there now, so it's it's nice. quite it's quite an event. It's uh, not quite uh, New York Comic Con from what I hear this year. I think they overtook San Diego, eh? I heard that. Something like... Uh, Over 150,000. Yeah. That is insane. I think yeah. uh, the the Fan Expo, I think the most they've done was 130. And that is a fucking insane a <laughs> fucking experience. Oh, it's nuts. Like, the worst day Saturday at, like, 2 in the afternoon, you know? there's yeah. You're just fucked. Like, don't leave the building because you won't get back in. <laughs> I think so. uh, they're doing a new one starting this spring in Atlantic City called AC Boardwalk Con. I think that's one they're, like, anticipating going really big in numbers. Really? I mean, I, I was down there, like, last week. I was seeing posters for it at the convention center already advertising it, and I don't think it's until April or May. Wow. It's uh, some of these, like, cons, like C2E2. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, look how quick C2E2 grew. And also, what's the other big one? Uh... It's not Phoenix. Is it St. Louis? I think St. Louis is just exploding. Like, this year was just out of control or something. What's that one called? Oh, I'm trying to remember. Fuck, it's bugging me. I won't be able to remember. So I'm going to stop trying. <laughs> but, yeah, it was. I think it was St. Louis. But it was just one you wouldn't expect. And it was just huge. And it was just giant. And, uh... It's it's neat, you know. A lot of people say, "Is is this gonna burn out? Do you think nerd culture is gonna burn out?" And uh, I don't think it ever started. I think it's been a slow burn for decades. And things like technology and you know the kids who were young in the '80s growing up and taking over the industry. I think it just had to bide its time, you know. Like they can they can make comic movies forever. Yeah, all the big budget movies help make it, you know, popular with the general audience who might not have ever picked up a comic book or played a video game or something like that. 
Yeah, like, I don't see Comic-Con slowing down. I really don't. I just see them, like, expanding into, like, week-long events and theme parks. Imagine, like, one... Imagine a permanent Comic-Con. <laughs> oh, that'd be fucking sick. And different artists could, like, book different days and weekends. And it's like a theme park. <laughs> it's like Comic-Con land. And the whole thing is just... Oh, and it's like... Oh, and, oh, and they just got, like, professionally paid, like, cosplayers. <laughs> I feel like that's that's right up there with my idea for the 24-hour mall. It's a it's a great concept, but but after like the first month, people would be like, yeah, I don't I don't want to be there all the time. <laughs> I'm surprised they don't have them down there in the states. Yet. <laughs> they 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 they're pretty much close at Christmas though. I mean, I think Walmart goes 24 hours at Christmas, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, in I fact, guess. I think there already are some 24-hour Walmart. Yeah, well, I don't know what they do then for Black Friday. If they're already open, how do they? <laughs> true, very true. We don't. Uh, well, actually, they're starting to have it. We've never really had Black Friday here, and but they're starting because since Walmart came in and stuff heavy in the last like fifteen, twenty years, Target just moved in in the past few years. Now they're starting to have these Black Friday sales, mm-hmm. and we've never had the, this fucking type of insane violence before <laughs> for no reason he's yeah the same things the week before <laughs> so but yeah it's uh you know we, we slowly get americanized bit by bit <laughs> but we still have certain identities it's one thing that's cool though about fan expo that's a little different than all the other cons is that it manages to be that big yet marvel and dc have no floor presence you know what I mean? There's, uh, you know, your floor presence is like Hasbro and like Lego <laughs> and like World of Warcraft. And then there's like gaming sections. But it's it's very independent driven. Like, like you know, all the artists, like Artist Alley is just immense at Fan Expo. So that's one cool thing is that you do get that draw of people who are coming out and a lot of little guys are getting supported for it, you know? Yeah, I think those are the kind of cons that usually are the best for the fans. You know, you go to something like New York Comic Con and, you know, as many fans as there are there, they're they're treated a little bit more like, you know, just ways of making money. You know, like there's a lot of commerce there. There's a lot of things being sold to you. Uh, but you go to someplace like uh, Dragon Con in Atlanta and it's like, same kind of thing. You just feel like the whole thing is there just for the fans. They're doing I've heard so that. much to accommodate them, and like everyone is, you know, there is no DC or Marvel booth there, or if there is, it's small. It's mostly just like independent vendors, and everyone's really, you know, cool and happy there. It's uh, Dragon Con. I've heard a lot of good things about. Whenever you see the that con going on, like on the Twitters and stuff, people are having a good time. It's, and people get excited for it too, eh? <laughs> yeah, I I worked it one year. I want to go back and just go for fun. We missed it this year. It sold out so quickly. We missed yeah. tickets. Really, eh? Wow, yeah. bam, just like that, eh? You guys, uh, you guys should try the uh, the route that Superstoner tried. They actually did the Cannabis Cup this year. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. So rather than uh, just stick to the comic circuit, they did the Cannabis Cup and they went out to Denver. And uh, they set up a table and had their whole display and did really well. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. And uh, Tommy Chong came by the table. 
and uh, they got a bunch of pictures, and he signed the book and put a big A plus on it. And, <laughs> you know, so that that was a cool experience they got to have. But uh, who was it? Uh, I think my good friend Josh, um, my co-curator on the network, he lives out in Denver, and he was telling me the other night that they're doing some oh, I can't remember where, but they're gonna do. It's called Chronic Con. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, and it's going to be a pot fest slash comic fest. And Jesus Christ, um, I have to be there no matter what. <laughs> so I guess i got to start. The, the perfect demographic for us. Too. Yeah. yeah like, well, we'll see you we should, there, I guess. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like, man, I'm, uh, I've been hanging out with this guy, Josh, for you know about two years now. And I've never met him. It's just been a Skype, you know, online relationship doing the podcast and stuff. But... You know, I still consider him one of my best friends, and still yet I have to get out to Colorado, and I'm just fucking dying. And he actually recently started working in a dispensary too, so it's just set up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I gotta get I my ass. I haven't that yet. I uh, I hear everything. I hear nothing but good things about Colorado, even before they legalized it. And now it's like I don't know why I haven't gone yet. Oh, yeah, especially now. Like, it was nice before you hear, but now just just the smartness of it. Like, hey, look, we got 14 million extra fucking dollars. Let's build some schools. Okay, look, we got some new schools because we got a bunch of fucking potheads. Like, yeah, thank you for finally showing the fucking world how it works, you know? Like... <laughs> Yeah, I want to take a trip out in the winter, try to learn how to snowboard, and then when I'm sore as fuck after two days, I'll just go and sit still and smoke in a room all day. <laughs> you guys ever been up Canada Way? I've been no, up uh, once. Uh, I went to the Alexis on Fire farewell tour. Uh, okay. Christmas before, yeah, like a year and a half ago. Um and that was pretty cool. I got to the show was in Hamilton, and I got to check out Toronto for a day. Um, it was cool. I liked it. It was cold as fuck though. <laughs> yeah, it gets that way. I am directly in between, uh, right in the middle of Toronto and Hamilton. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that highway drive that you took from uh, Hamilton to Toronto, the uh, Queen Elizabeth way. Yeah, yeah. That uh, I'm, I'm, I'm like right off the middle of that drive. Nice. Just, just to give you a sort of a visual sense, but uh, yeah, it's uh, Hamilton's been growing too. There's a Hamilton Comic Con going on now and uh, stuff. But uh, did you get a chance to sample any of the ganj when you were up this way? I didn't get to. Um, the group I was with, I think they might have gotten to after I left, but. Uh... I was up there for, like, all of 48 hours to see the show, and then I had to fly back for New Year's. Um, so I just nice. uh, just got to drink. <laughs> well, at least you got to drink well. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Found a couple of really good spots right near uh, – I can't remember the name of the theater that we it saw. It was probably there. Cops Coliseum. Yep. Yep. Right down the street from there was an awesome bar that had all kinds of stuff on tap from all over the world it was awesome very nice yeah we've got some nice beer houses there's one uh there's one that's kind of near me it's uh i think they have over 150 tapped kegs 
and it's like Canada's largest brew house or something. But it's, it's sorry, it's not a brew house, but uh, it's like a tap house or whatever you'd call it. Right, right. Yeah, awesome. and yeah, it's and you can like order it in like six or twelve like tasters. You know, oh, so they'll yeah. bring you like six mini pints, and with each one has like you know a different beer in it. Yeah, it's it's fun those places. It's it's totally neat. See, I had this theory about Hamilton and Vancouver, and the theory is back in the '60s when the draft happened, and all the hippies had to dodge. They went up north, so all the New Yorker guys came up through Niagara and went into Hamilton and Toronto, and all the California hippies went up to Vancouver. And that's why we now have this nice international hub of marijuana that flows through <laughs> those two places. And it's just been like, since the 60s, just generations of honing these plants and these buds. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one place I, de- I definitely recommend you get out to Vancouver if you ever can. It's yeah. uh, it's it's strange because even though pot isn't legal, it's still in a way the pot capital of the world. I've always kind of assumed I'd make it out there for some kind of production. Like, there's a lot of TV filmed over there, Oh, maddening. If you stay in that business, if you're in it now and stay in it, I can't see how you don't end up in Vancouver at some point. Right. Yeah. It's uh, all those shows that you see shot, like CW shows. Yeah. And uh, a lot of the old Fox shows, like uh, X-Files and Mm -hmm. uh, any of those shows that kind of have that general look or, you know... It could be anywhere. <laughs> a lot of that is either Va- Vancouver or Toronto because it can just double for so much that, uh, yeah, man, there's a lot, a lot of film production that goes on. Are you, are you guys still in the business then? Like, Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I do mostly like production work, but I also produce and uh, I've done some treatments. Oh, yeah, you, you were saying in the beginning you guys have done some pilots and stuff. That's... Uh... That's exciting and hard. It's uh, it's not an easy life, eh? The life of an artiste. <laughs> I uh, I always wish that I could have stuck with. I always wanted to be a filmmaker. Oh yeah. Yeah, and uh, hardcore when I was younger, and uh, I unfortunately fell into bad drug life and stuff, and uh, it it didn't turn out that way for me. Luckily, I'm I'm all good. I pulled my life together, but just. A little bit too late, uh, you know, to be like, uh, sorry, son, I'm going to ignore you and go make movies now. But uh, right. <laughs> still, sounds like you might have some interesting uh, life stories to write about. It's see, that's the thing. I, I never stopped. Like, uh, you know, that was one great thing about podcasting that it came about for me because it wasn't even so much filmmaking as uh, as film editing. Oh, Ever okay. since I was a kid, I was obsessed with editing. I always wanted to be an actor, and I wanted to edit. And I was that kid who was putting, like, two VCRs together and, like, filming the TV with the camcorder so you could put soundtrack to it, like, <laughs> you know, back in the late 80s and stuff. Like, I was I was hardcore. And uh, podcasting has given me a lot of creative fulfillment that way because, you know, I love to edit, and uh, I love cutting things up and throwing things in. That's, uh, that's why a lot of episodes of this show are just full of nonsense <laughs> and uh you it's know so accessible nowadays too you can do it digitally that's the thing you know and uh i started making some films and because uh, uh i'm an arborist by trade so oh, i'm a tree yeah. yeah i spend all day climbing trees so what i started doing was making uh tree videos that are like skate style videos 
Right, right. You know, so it's just like guys climbing and music and, you know, just quick clips and stuff. But, uh, you know, it's never too late. And, and you're right, especially with the technology nowadays. Like, I, I, I can sit in my truck at work with my iPhone, you know, take some footage. And, you know, there's so many apps that I can make little cuts and put music in. And Absolutely. By the, you know, by the time lunch is over, I've got like a nicely produced little fucking short in my pocket. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that stuff, so... You know? Did you download the J.J. Uh, Abrams uh, Effects Studio app? Hell yeah. Um, I think the one you're talking about where it's like the Enterprise like bombing yeah. down. and <laughs> Yeah, totally. It's like Action Movies it's called or something. Yeah, Action Movie. Yeah, it's, uh, it's awesome. I love that stuff. It's so, so awesome. That's such a genius idea. I mean, if you look at um, – have you seen This is the End with uh... – Yes, they use that app effect when the helicopter crashes, like, you know, near the beginning and, and the thing comes out. I'm pretty sure that's the exact J.J. Abrams effect. <laughs> that would be hilarious and kind of make sense. Right? <laughs> yeah, it totally would. <laughs> yeah, I like the big spider. Yeah. Uh, you know, because I'll have, like, I'll take footage of guys in trees and then I'll have this spider crawling through the tree just taking them out. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I use this one called Splice. It's a really good app. Uh, you know, you can put tons of music, and it's really easy to use. But I have this other one that's not really a movie-making one, but it's uh, it's called Make It Epic. And you take, like, a 5- or 10-minute clip or 10-second clip, and then you just hit the Make It Epic button, and it puts it in slow motion and adds Chariots of Fire to it. <laughs> And it's the only song it adds. Like, that's all this app does. It puts it in slow motion and adds Chariots of Fire to it. And bam, you've got you've, – it's made epic. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I enjoy that one. So are you guys – is it the same way when you're, you know, kind of writing treatments or, or projects or whatever? Are you sci-fi oriented or, you know, do you kind of get into other kind of genres? I feel like we, we're pretty eclectic in that sense. We bounce around. Lately, we've been coming up with more uh, like sci-fi and comic-related ideas. Yeah, I think we we started out more on the comedy side and sitcom type of stuff, or you know, like sketches. You know, we're we're going more on humor, and then I think we just kind of found our way more towards the sci-fi thing. And actually, Superbud is like a mix of the two. And then, uh, you know, we have another one we're working on that's more, you know, less on the humor side, more serious, like an action, supernatural type of thing. That's fun. Yeah. It's, uh, I recently had, because uh, I write occasionally, but I, it's hard for me to just put the time in to finish stuff and, and sit down for, like, a good session. But I, I've always had these fun, like, fan fiction ideas just for myself to do. And I recently had a... Uh, Dirk Manning. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but he's a he's a comic book writer. He writes uh, the Tales of Mystery. Okay. And uh, he actually wrote a book, uh, How to Write Comic Books. And uh, really inspirational guy, super cool dude. And I was telling him about how I, you know I had some about some of these fanfics ideas I had, and he was like, "Take that idea, and think about what is it about that idea that you think is cool." Like, what's cool about that? And then write your own thing around that cool thing. 
Yeah. yeah that's great. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? He was like, okay, well, why, why do you want to write, you know, Star Wars? And I was like, well, you know, lightsabers. And he's like, okay, well, take what you think is so cool about lightsabers and try to come up with something else for it. Yeah. And it was really good advice. And but see, the problem with me is it still comes down to I think it could work for anything in my life but lightsabers because really there is nothing cooler <laughs> than lightsabers. So I get what he's saying. But I, I even tried. I, I've thought on and off and, uh, and I gave up. I was like, you can't top lightsabers. But I get his point. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I was like and, and then I kind of I, I kind of saw some ways to do that. I was like, okay, this story that I wanted to write about these guys, and I totally could see ways to do it not in the Star Wars universe, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was it was some cool advice he had to give. But writing's a hard thing, even when you're doing sitcoms and stuff. Like, you know, people think that stuff's easy, just to bang out all those jokes and keep it coherent, but... So you must be pretty excited that Zack Snyder's going to be doing a Star Wars, right? What are you talking about? <laughs> you're just you feel, he's the guy for it you feel like him and abrams are like the ideal pair if zach snyder was to do a star wars my brain might melt <laughs> it might just ooze out my ear and down my shoulder um i couldn't comprehend that that Wasn't was, that the rumor? I don't. I haven't heard that one. But now, damn you, you've put it in my head. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, Ryan Johnson signed on to do episodes eight and nine, and uh, there's other movies being talked about, but I don't think anybody's signed. I think he'll be too busy. I think he's uh, he's too involved in building this DC universe, anyways. Because I don't think he's gonna go anywhere after this movie's done. I, I think he's going to stay involved. It sounds like he's already on Justice League. I'm sure he'll do the sequels then. At least producing, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I see it going crazy. Like, I, I, I can't see them not have given Ben Affleck the deal that, okay, you get to direct the solo Batman movies. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, if anyone's going to get the Ben Affleck acting right, it'd be Ben Affleck. Yeah, you know, like, he does it himself, and that's when it went. Although, apparently, Fincher had him real good. I haven't seen this new yeah, one. It's a Gone it. Girl, but yeah. you know, there's another one, Fincher. Oh my God, could you imagine if Fincher got his hands on either of those? Oh, yeah, that, that makes my brain hurt. <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's probably my top three directors working today. I would have to say, like regularly working today. Yeah, like, those three guys, just their command of the visual arts is. It's it, it astonishes me, like from the tiniest things. Like that's what I love about. See, in Marvel, I was talking about this a few episodes ago. The, I'm not that impressed by the action in Marvel movies. Like when things go down, it goes very comic booky. It's a lot of smashing, and punching, and buildings crumbling, and people getting knocked like you know a hundred feet away into a car or something. And, I don't know, just the power on power gets a little tired. Yet, I'll watch a Zack Snyder movie, like The Watchmen, and just the night owl leaping out of Archie and landing on the ground is more impressive to me visually than a lot of the battles I've seen in Marvel movies. Did you feel that way about Winter Soldier? 
I didn't actually. Winter Soldier. The last person I was talking to about this said that immediately too. They were like, "Even Cap," and I was like, <laughs> "Actually, Cap has most impressed me. Like the use of his yeah. shield, and uh, what they actually do with uh, his action sequences are probably my favorite." Yeah, I was surprised at how well they they nailed the action in that first. Those yeah. guys were two comedy directors. Yeah, yeah, totally crazy, eh? And. And same thing with uh, the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, uh, I loved that. Like that was smart. Yeah. You know the kind of way they use stuff. Like that whole fight when he fights Blonsky in the in the yeah the school yeah. there, and he's using tanks and cars and fucking you know. There's a little more to it than just fucking. You know who directed that? I'm trying to think. Yeah, I don't remember. I was just Lewis Letterer. Maybe, yeah. It was yeah. really well shot, too. I, I really... That's what it is for me for movies. Like, people talk, and they want the good story. And I want a good story, too. But honestly, Zack Snyder's visuals impress me so much that I don't care if the story is <laughs> that important. It's 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 really not that important. Like, look, like take 300, right? 300 uh -huh. is not a complicated story. It's 300 guys versus an army. Yet, the way it's shot... And the dialogue, like the the dialogue, is very important to this too. But there's no plot to that movie. Like right. it's, it's 300 guys versus an army, and they're gonna die, and that's it. That's all that's gonna happen in this fucking movie, really. And yet you're you're transfixed, you know. You're glued to this because you just can't take your eyes off these movements and these colors and these these shadows. I don't know. Sorry, I'm getting all excited. No, no, I think he, you, you have a good point. He's a visual filmmaker. Like, he got starred in music videos, I think, and he he definitely has the eye for it. Um, and actually, I thought he did an amazing job with the visuals of Man of Steel. Um, I'm just, and maybe this is just me, a bias, because I'm a writer, but for me, the story comes first. So, like, I'm I'm a little bit more you know, uh, pessimistic, not even pessimistic, but just cautious about what he gets his hands on. Because I thought Sucker Punch was one where, you know, I thought it looked great. I was really excited when I saw the trailer. I, I got a great sense of the story, I thought. But then when I actually watched it, I was like, ah, uh, you know, maybe he would have been better if he was using source material instead of kind of like finding his own way here story-wise. Absolutely, I agree. Um because he wrote that one too, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and I I think he learned a little bit of a lesson from that, because mm -hmm. uh, he's he's gotten better at just giving the reins and being like, you write something awesome, I will make it look cool, and you know that's why like like Watchmen he took right off the page, you know he's like here's the yeah. comic book, I'll put it on the film now, and you're totally right. Like uh, I. I cut. Did you enjoy the story to Man of Steel, or was there something in particular that you weren't a fan of? Or oh yeah, for the most part, Man of Steel came out on top for me. But there were definitely parts that I didn't like. Like I didn't like the way that his father dies in it. I didn't like um, trying to think of some of them. That it's like when I watch the movie, I'll, I'll all of a sudden be like, "Wow, this movie's great! I can't believe I ever doubted it." And then I'll see something, and I'll be like, "Oh, this is why I have." <laughs> That was, I think, people's most people's main point of contention was the way that Jonathan Ken went out. Yeah, that was a big. That was the big one. Yeah, that was that was that, that was kind of silly. Like it was, 
it was even well presented. Like I thought Costner was great. Like yeah, yeah, so that's he, not on him. He delivered a, a, a perfect performance, but uh, yeah, that was that was a little <laughs> weird. It didn't make sense logically. Like, yeah, just you know, it, it caused. I think that's why everyone's just like, wait, why would you do it like that? There's so many ways you can do this. <laughs> but can we look at it as maybe it was we're not because we look at Jonathan Kent as so infallible. Maybe it's a mistake. He made a mistake. And, Definitely made a mistake. <laughs> right, right, which we all obviously see. So maybe that was kind of the intention. I've never heard one way or the other, but I could almost see that being the intention that he's so fearful it was his fear that led to his demise, his fear for his son to let you know let himself be known. So it kind of ended up costing him his own life in the end, where you know it was eventually Clark having to face his fears and you know step out into the light and all that shit that you know was the right thing to do in the end so that's kind of how i look at it like i had to get used to it almost that you know maybe he's just a more fallible character in this movie maybe he's just uh supposed to be a cautionary tale sort of thing yeah i can see that at least it makes me feel better to think that (laughs) yeah i mean i i prefer the i prefer a less fallible jonathan kent that you know kind of puts the the moral compass of Clark above his own, you know, flaws and shortcomings. And, like, he kind of sees that this is the most powerful creature that our species has come in contact with at this point. And he just kind of, like, takes that on as his responsibility to guide that that person into being someone that's going to be a force for good. And so, you know, I can see the the fear thing, um, but I just would have preferred if if it was like he left a legacy that wasn't, oh, you need to hide your powers, and more one that said, like, you need to be a force for good. I think it's, it's kind of like, I think Jonathan was so afraid of what could happen. Like, imagine if Clark, I don't think it was so much that Kent was trying to make him become a force for good as much as to make sure that he didn't become a force for evil. So in his own fear of it, he was just like, keep it to yourself, you know, because, you know, in the end, maybe it was too much for Jonathan to handle. It was too much of a responsibility for him to raise somebody with those powers and make that decision, you know, because he tried to, you know, really steer Clark into the way that he thought. But, you know, we're used to the Kents of the past who have been like, son, you must find your own way, (laughs) you know, and, you know. So, yeah, total. Totally <laughs> messed it all up, Jonathan Kent. What the fuck were you thinking? <laughs> but I liked it. I I have a feeling it's going to be a lot less uh, of that character type stuff in the new one. I think the new one's going to be much more of a, of a – I don't want to say Winter Soldier because not a conspiracy <laughs> plot, but more of a maybe even politically <laughs> driven plot, you know? Yeah, I've been curious about that. If they're going to play up something with the government wanting Superman to intervene with Batman or something like that. See, that's the huge question. I think the number one question that we won't get answered until we see the movie is who's after who? Because, you know, Dark Knight Returns, Superman is sent, as you say, by the government to, you know, stop Batman from fucking shit up. It could be the other way around. It could be that Batman 
on his own decides to go to Metropolis and be like, who's this fucking new alien that just fucked up the whole city, you know? Right. So we don't know which way they're going to go. So I'm really, really interested to see which way it turns out. That's my biggest inquiry about it. Because, you know, it could be totally... Because at the end of Man of Steel, it's still kind of untrustworthy, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, Superman's still like, look, I'm just from Kansas. Like, for fuck's sakes, like, (laughs) you don't got to worry about me, you know? But but there's a lot of uh, buzz on the internet about possible, like, anti-Superman propaganda and that sort of thing in the movie, too. So that would make sense. Yeah, and there's got to be a reason that the other heroes get involved, right? Like... I'm sure that uh, Aquaman's not happy about the oceans getting fucked up, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, it's cool how they kind of put some spoilers, there's some Easter eggy stuff in there. Uh, there's a theory that it was Aquaman who saved Superman uh, in the beginning, you know, uh, in Man of Steel when he goes down with the crab ship and uh, he's floating like unconscious under the water. Oh, interesting. Yeah, there's a theory that uh, he blacks out and stuff, and actually Aquaman saves him. So, because there's some way they set that up, that if you watch it, it it almost makes sense that if you want to look at it that way. (laughs) I don't know if they intended it that way. But uh, this guy, you know, it's not like Wonder Woman. There's got to be a reason that brings them all together, you know, and a very good reason, too. That's one thing I don't want. I don't want them to cheap out on why they come together. Yeah, you don't want it to just be some forced circumstance. Yeah, like if uh, like if Coulson can, if they can kill Coulson to bring the Avengers together, you better give us something half decent to bring the fucking Justice League together, you know? Right, right. Because who knows where they're gonna go villain wise, or like, cause how does this does this movie really have a villain even? Like, I know Luther's in it, but I don't think he's gonna be like the main villain of the movie, like. It's going to be really weird to see a comic book movie that may not have a villain. Yeah. This whole movie may be just them hashing it out. Yeah, I mean, and if if Luther is the villain, I'm sure he's the behind-the-scenes type of villain, not the direct threat. Yeah, like he's setting stuff up even for the future or who knows, but, you know, whatever they're causing there. It, it would be really interesting to see. I can't even think of another comic book movie where... You know, there wasn't, like, a main villain from the comics put in that movie. But, I mean, when you have the power of the big two and world's finest, you don't even need a fucking villain. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as long as they don't, uh, yeah. As long as they don't drag out the, the period of which they're, they're, like, not getting along. It's like you've done that story so many times that that's, like, the same kind of, like, uh, don't, don't drag this out. Don't yeah. make it's too much of a spectacle. It's a very good point, considering it's probably going to be close to a three-hour movie, too. Yeah. Like, you know, knowing Zach and knowing the way these have been coming out, it's not going to be a fucking 90-minute film. <laughs> it's going to be this epic opus of fucking digital capes fucking flying <laughs> all over the place. Oh, my God. I can't imagine what it's going to be like to see Batman's cape done by Zack Snyder. <laughs> can you uh, oh my god like i was so impressed with what he did with superman's cape and that he did away and made it digital and just like controlled every bit of it and what he could do with batman's cape can you imagine oh it's going to be beautiful it's going to be an absolute thing of beauty i can't i cannot wait 
So, uh, well, let's get into some logistics before we wind her down then, fellas. Uh, tell us about who made the comic, who's supporting the comic, uh, the Kickstarter, and uh, where people can get involved. Uh, sure. Um, so you can find information on the comic on our Facebook page, which is uh, facebook.com slash superbudcomics. You can follow us on Twitter at superbudcomic. And, uh, yeah, the Kickstarter's running until November 3rd, and we have about 10 or 11 days left. We're, uh, our goal is 5500 and uh, that's going towards basically the art and, in this case, the printing and, and that kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah. And this is issue two, right? Issue two, yeah. Issue one uh, is available right now. Um, and if you pledge five bucks on the Kickstarter, you'll get issue one immediately as a digital download, and you'll get issue two pre-ordered, basically, and you'll get it when it comes out. That's a cool deal, man. Yeah, yeah. we want people to feel like they're getting something for helping us out. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, you know, plus you, you want to keep them on the, on the road, too, you know? Oh, if, absolutely. If they read one, get interested in the story and want to want to keep picking them up i urge you kids i cannot urge you enough to go to this kickstarter and to support super bud it's a constant struggle for uh respect i know it sounds kind of cheesy um we're not all that serious a podcast around here but it, it it's true like uh you know we're not big uh propagandas or anything but you got to support the rights and you got to support legalization you have to support, uh, support what needs to be done, and it's these these culturists uh, like these guys, like Tim and Mike, who need to be supported and uh, putting so much hard work, effort, and balls on the line to create marijuana products, whether it be comic books or movies or music or – hey, did you guys happen to see the, uh, the new Afro Man video? No, I just heard about this. He though. redid it. He redid uh, – because I got high, but he did it all positive. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, so he's all rapping about glaucoma and fucking tax dollars <laughs> and education and shit. <laughs> it's really, really good. But seriously, kids, um, you know, support the niche. Uh, we got to change the outlook in this world on things that we love and things that we know that are good for us and good for Earth and good for the nature and from the nature and blah, 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 blah. So go support super bud go read the comic mike tim thank you guys so much for hanging out tonight thank, thank you. you so much jay that's awesome no and, uh, we're sending you issue one right now all right i cannot wait to read it i'm very stoked uh, i'll tell you guys i'll give a little review of it for you kids on uh, the next show but uh, go check out kickstarter super bud support the cause and while we're at it because we've shout them out you can still go and uh, support Superstoner at superstoner.com. It's the adventures of superstoner.com. Um, and uh, watch issue two, which they'll be doing a Kickstarter for soon. Yes, it's how. Oh yeah, we're gonna be all over that shit, all over that shit. But we'll have to get you guys, and we'll have to get Chip and Andy, and we'll have to get you all to come back, and uh, we'll have a, a super party. Yeah, yeah I'd love to. That'd be rad. We'll, We'll get the bongs ripping and such. And uh, <laughs> actually, every every 4:20 in April, I do a 4:20 special. And uh, this will be the third annual, I think. Yes, 
not can't be fourth. Yeah, third annual. So uh, when it, when we roll around April time, you guys will have to join the the party fest when that happens too. Yeah, yeah, keep us up to date. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, uh, that was really good times. Thanks for hanging out again. Um, support the Superbud, everybody. That is all we're going to have this week on an elegant weapon. Take it easy. The planet will not die as long as he gets high, as long as there are trees, buds, and bees.